In 2016, Warner Brothers and DC released the David Ayer Helms Suicide Squad to almost universal distaste. With weak writing, terrible editing, and an ensemble cast that had little to no chemistry, this budding franchise seemed almost doomed to fail from the start. But, giving credence to the idea that even the shakiest ideas can work wonders in the right hands, Warner Brothers didn't give up on this series. Instead, they enlisted a recently fired James Gunn to work his magic, and here we are five years later with The Suicide Squad. What are we, some kind of suicide squad? Chris, um, you beat me to it. I was going to say, what are we, some kind of scripter screen? Squad? Thing like that? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another wonderful edition of Scripter Screen. As always, we are your hosts. I am Chris Kitchen, alongside Zach Strackman. That's Zach, me. How are we doing today? How are you? Oh, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good because uh, I got to see a, a fun movie on a big screen. Oh, and oh, I would ask what movie is that? But everybody knows why we're here. We are talking about the highly anticipated and you know highly controversial, The Suicide Squad, um, a sequel that I'm not sure many people thought was ever going to happen, um, ever. Uh, yeah. So- especially if you go back to uh you know a, ham- a handful of years ago uh if you had asked me will we ever get a follow up to the academy award winning masterpiece that is suicide squad i'd be like what are you doing in my kitchen uh, <laughs> here we are again everybody we are Zach and Chris Chris and Zach hosts of Scripter Screen. You can find us at our website, scripterscreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash scripterscreen. All of our past episodes are available to you on all your favorite podcast platforms as well. You can also find us on our social media pages at Scripter Screen, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we also upload to YouTube as well. So you enjoy us, follow us there, share us with your friends, leave us a message, leave us a comment, and hey, maybe you can get featured in a future episode. We will see. And also let us know, what did you think about The Suicide Squad? We're about to tell you how we felt. Zach, let me tell you something. I uh, just actually recently rewatched like the original trailer for 2016's Suicide Squad. Is, that, is that the one with... Um, that's not the one with Bohemian Rhapsody on it, is it? It is, actually. It was like ah, not, okay. not the teaser, but like the full trailer. Right, um, okay. And I got to tell you, I, I actually think that the trailer almost gave the movie like a lot of promise. Listen. I feel like it, it looked you know, good enough that I'm like, I was, I was optimistic and I, you know, I was a little more, a little less optimistic after watching it my first time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely didn't like downright hate it. Like everyone else, you know, there were a lot of decisions there that I would like, you know, I didn't like them, but I thought, you know, overall, like it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as everyone else thought it was. I'll, I'll say this, uh, Trailer houses, honestly, there should be awards for trailers because oh, yeah. it's it's an art form. Um, a movie can be made uh, or killed on a bad trailer or a good trailer, and it is editing editing magic at its finest that you can take a horrible movie and make it look like the greatest thing ever created with the right editing and the right song set to it. 
Yeah. Um, and you could make a a wonderful movie look like complete dog poop. Uh, uh, <laughs> in all those same ways with like shoddy editing and stuff. Um, so the one thing I'll give uh, original Suicide Squad, um, it it had some good trailers, and I think it it definitely it set a it, an interesting tone. Um, where you almost thought, hey, this could be pretty good, but uh, sorry to interrupt, but I'd like to mention my experience. I saw it when it came out, and then I watched it a second time a few months ago, introducing it to our friend Greg, who had never seen it. I didn't like it the first time. And I actually hated it even more the second time around. And I mean I seriously hated it. Like, I can normally watch a bad movie multiple times, and get some laughs out of how much I don't like it. But I was just angry the second time watching Suicide Squad, and I legitimately never want to watch it again. I've never had a movie do that to me before. But anyway, Zach, how did you feel about it? I was definitely one of the, the more critical people when it came out. You're very critical on everything, when everything comes out. I just... I see. I'm I'm of the I'm of the mentality. There, there's like many different ways people like to think of these movies, and some people say I'm a fan of of this thing, and I don't care if it's a terrible adaptation of it. I'm going to you know champion this thing because that's what a good fan does is they back something up no matter what. I'm the opposite. I'm like. No, no, no. I'm a true fan, so I demand something better. That's true. Um, you know, that's that's fair. You know, I could say do that. Uh, whether it's better or not, we got what we got. You know, I don't think I was expecting anything more from that, so I would have just, you know, enjoyed it at face value for what that was. Surprisingly so, after, uh, you know, some events uh, that circulated in, what, 2015 or, mm-hmm. or whatever year it was, we found out James Gunn got fired from uh, his contracts with Marvel and Disney after yes. tweets that appeared. In- so it, oh, what it God. was was a big old steaming pile of poop is what it was. Um, that's why bas- it's like 2018. Some, um, some, you know, alt-right uh, or conservative um, people were were uh spreading you know br- digging up old old bullshit that um of of off color humor that James Gunn had used uh back in the day and um and to say oh 10 years before his uh, right it's stuff that he had actually already apologized for um but but you know the internet's a volatile place and word spread fast and unfortunately uh Disney wasn't there to go like, hey, you know, this, you know, look at the big picture. He did apologize. This is in the past. This isn't the kind of thing. He makes a good, uh, an excellent movie regardless of his character. Um, that sometimes that, that logic doesn't fly. Sometimes a person's character um, should uh, definitely inform whether or not their movie should be enjoyed. Yeah. But... But James Gunn's definitely not the person. And now, tinfoil hat time, kitties. Uh, I don't think Disney ever really intended to to fully fire him. I think Disney saw the political internet storm that was going on, and they said, "Okay, James, we we got we got some some people who are who are 
upset or fake upset, but it's getting a lot of bad press. So we're going to air quotes fire you and then give it, you know, give it a few months, uh, let it die down, and then we will air quotes rehire you. And behind the scenes, I don't think anything changed. I think they're like, yeah, no, you're 100% coming back. You're still going to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We're good. Uh, but to the public, he got he got the boot. So, you know, funny enough, Zach, we actually, you know, given the fact that now we have uh, time has passed since these incidents, more details have arrived uh, from the incidents themselves with first counts coming from uh, Alan Horn, who is the, the chief... Uh, mm-hmm. Or excuse me, the the chairman of the Walt Disney Studios, um, Kevin Feige as well, James Gunn himself, and even um, former CEO, uh, what's his name, Bob Iger. Excuse me, um, and this, that comes straight from his novel as well. His novel, his autobiography. What the hell do they call it? His book that, that he had someone ghostwrite for him about right. himself. <laughs> Anyways, um, according to the events that happened, is that James Gunn actually met with Alan Horn. Uh, and James's representatives uh, to discuss these uh, allegations and everything, what he had done already. Because I don't know if you saw, but there were like the series of tweets that, again, he, you know, restated his position on those tweets, uh, how he claims that, you know, because 10 years had passed, he's obviously a different person from what he was then. He recognizes that they're not really acceptable in today's, um, you know, social climate. And, and then, in the in the writing, these I mean these articles come from Variety, IndieWire, mm-hmm. and and you know all these sources. They say almost exactly what you said, like that there's no real intention to fire him, but they have to do something publicly in order to to show that there's you know repercussions for what he was doing, and they'll keep him around. But in that time, James also negotiated that he can take other work uh, right. in in you know between whenever they feel ready to take him back and, you know, let, let that time elapse. Which is funny because, what's his name? Uh, Bob Iger actually wrote in uh, an interview that he had regarding his book that he does not regret um, the firing decision of James Gunn, but that's all that he said it because I think he was talking about the bigger decision to just wait and have him mm-hmm. rehired later. At, at, you know, think, at, think about it like this, though, Chris. If not for that firing, we would not have... The Suicide Squad. He has said in interviews that this is probably the best thing that ever happened to him in his life. Like, the, the, the best decision, just because, one, he got to do not one, but two movies. Not collect one, you know, million-dollar paycheck, but two. And not and The Suicide Squad gave him the opportunity to make the biggest movie he's ever made. And I want to say, at this point, probably the most successful as well, at least where we were talking, like, initial, um, you know, releases. I mean, this is film has the biggest budget at like what 183 million dollars mm-hmm. um and i he said that he had no restraint warner brothers and dc gave him all uh ability to do anything and everything he wanted yeah i i want to i want to touch on that later on as we dig into the plot of this movie but yes, um, sir. but yeah so like you know it's it's kind of cosmically hilarious that like people set out to to do James Gunn some harm, they really went out of their way because he he spoke out against you know some conservative views, um, and he was, uh, yeah he was actively like against I mean all you know just right winged anything on Twitter to the point where by the time he got kicked off he re- I mean he almost got off social media 
entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, but like I remember just every day he said, like, I dedicate an hour of my of my day to make sure that I post <laughs> everything that I can. You know, my civic duty is to, to make sure that disinformation does not get out there and that we criticize our politicians. And that was his that that's was the his definition goal. of a hero. But um, <laughs> but listen, I think it is it is insanely hilarious that not only did they not shut him up, but they, you know, their quote unquote victory of getting him fired didn't actually go anywhere because he got rehired and he got to make another fantastic film that everyone has just been heaping the praise on him for. So uh, good job. Uh, to the people who tr- who tried to screw him up, because uh, uh, we got a we got a pretty good movie out of it. Honestly, I'd say so as well. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to get into some of the non-spoilery bits about this film, Zachary. Um, so sh- are we gonna do our usual thing? You can hit him with that synopsis. We'll talk uh, cast and crew, and then do- give our give our our clean takes before dipping into the dirty side. Uh, yes, we will do that exactly to the T. Sweet. So this long and overthought out synopsis comes to us from RottenTomatoes.com. Uh, thanks, Rotten Tomatoes. You're questionable sometimes. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Welcome to Hell, a.k.a. Bell Rev, the prison with the highest mortality rate in the U.S. of A, where the worst supervillains are kept and where they will do anything to get out, even join the super-secret, super-shady Task Force X. Today's do-or-die assignment? Assemble a collection of cons, including Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Captain Boomerang, Ratcatcher 2, Savant, King Shark, Blackguard, Javelin, and everybody's favorite psycho, Harley Quinn. Then arm them and heavily drop them, literally, on the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. What is it? Corto Maltese? Uh, or Mal- Maltese, whatever. Maltese. Uh, trekking through a jungle, <laughs> excuse me, teeming with militant adversaries and guerrilla forces at every turn, the squad is on the search and destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave, and Amanda Waller's government techies in their ears, tracking every movement. And as always, one wrong move and they're dead, whether at the hands of their opponents, a teammate, or Waller herself. If anyone's laying down bets, the smart money is against them all. Or it's against them. It's, no, no, they, they fucked that up. It says, is against them all. all oh, no, them. I see what they, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, Jesus Jones, that is a, uh, who who did who was being paid to write that? I, I gotta tell you what, though, that was pretty entertaining to read it. Um, I thought that was too long before we did the show. But it sounded, time, it's. It sounded exhausting to read. Yeah, a bit. I'm like, geez, they couldn't do it any shorter. But you know what? That that is a uh, that is a great way to. That is the first like what five minutes of the film right there. Um, kind of, yeah. Like, you know, good times. I gotta say, man. Uh, I was. I don't. I mean, I, I guess I was kind of expecting them. They said that this film was going to be like a soft reboot, but also like yeah. still kind of a sequel to the to the original. I, I um, believe uh, they, they classified as a standalone sequel. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, so as we said before, this movie was directed and it was written by James Gunn. Uh, produced James by... James Timothy Gunnathan. That is not his name. 
is actually is James Francis Gunn Jr. That's oh, name. sweet. Um, it is uh, produced by Charles Roven and Peter Safran, based on the Suicide Squad comics from DC. Cinematography by Henry Braham. Music by John Murphy. And uh, it's got a running time of 132 minutes. It had a budget of $185 million, and in the very short time it has been in theaters, which at this point is two days, um, a day and a half, uh, it's made $10.8 million. Actually, Zach, I don't know if you remember, I, I actually had the opportunity to almost watch it a week in advance at like a fan screening event thing. And um, you th- said, no, thank you, I'll pay. Well... It's not that I didn't want to go, but I was working. So, although I accepted tickets, I did not use them like a butt wipe. Uh, I like that you accepted tickets, so you actively deprived someone (laughs) of seats to the event. No, you know what? They were like one of those first-come, first-serve events. Ah, So, you know, I'm sure they they filled that thing up as soon as they could. Um, Nice. You know how they are. Uh, so let's look at this uh, this cast because uh, we got some returning uh, people, and then we've got some some uh, some new blood, as we'll new call it. So re- returning uh, favorites are Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, who's uh, kind of like one of those actors who's. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into like the real like meat of the characters, but uh, in in a minute. But like someone who's kind of like pitch perfect for the role, even in the terrible for original film at least they got harley quinn right i would i would i yeah i was gonna say i really enjoyed her both um in the original and even when the you know the birds of prey film birds um, of prey was fun it was it was really interesting and then uh other returning forces are jai courtner excuse jai me jai courtner Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Oh my god, what the hell was that? What was I trying yeah, to say there? I don't know. Um, Jai Courtney, yeah. He's a, he's one of those actors where, depending on what he gets, uh, I can either like him or just not give a shit. It's okay. Um, they, they really utilized him. I didn't one. I didn't hate him as Captain Boomerang in either film, but uh, he's, yeah, no, he's great in this one. Uh, Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Rick Flagg. Ooh, the uh, Robocop himself. Was he was he remake RoboCop? He was remake RoboCop. In fact, that's the only other role I know him from outside of uh, he outside was in of that, Suicide Squad. I know he was in that uh, that AMC series, um, uh, The Killing. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I don't know yeah. if you know this either, but he's like a Swedish actor, and so yes. he has like a lot of roles from uh, his home country. Um, so that was interesting. We also have the fabulous Viola Davis as Amanda Waller herself. Another um, just like absolutely perfect casting for the character, you honestly, know, like one of the best, if not just the best, just real good. Um, and I think as far as like original actors, that's I'm pretty... looking at the cast of the original, just making sure. Yeah, everyone else. Um, are we have new new players in the mix? So yeah, um, the I would say the biggest the the most recognizable and the most important to the story is Idris Elba as Robert Dubois, a.k.a. Bloodsport. I loved how everyone thought he was going to be just the recast of Will Smith as Deadshot. However, James was kind enough to say, like, well, if they want to do anything else with Suicide Squad and they want to bring Deadshot back, 
because I think Will Smith couldn't do it due to, um, I think they were filming. Uh, due to what? self-respect? No, not self-respect. <laughs> Rather, it was just like scheduling issues so he couldn't join them again. Um, so instead of writing him out and recasting him, they, you know, had Idris Elba casted as a new character. So that was nice. Yeah. Um, and Bloodsport was great in this film. He did a good job. Um, yeah, and we got John Cena uh, as Christopher Smith, a.k.a. Peacemaker. Did you know, Zach, if you give him uh, any weapon, he turns it into a slightly better weapon and, <laughs> and you know, all uh, that fun stuff? Well, you know what's fun is uh, this character and the fact that we're going to see more of him because he's got his own HBO Max series uh, set to premiere in January. Oh yeah, they're like in the middle, of, like finished, like finalizing that season right now. I think so he's, yeah. uh, James Gunn is still in production with that. And John Cena, like him or hate him, the man is a performer. The man knows how to sell a hit, and he is all personality, which is exactly what you want for this character. Yeah. Um, next, I want to say is probably one of the fan favorites of this film uh, is Sylvester Stallone as. Nanao, Nanu, what, how would you say it? Na, uh, Nanawe. Nanawe, uh, otherwise known as King Shark. Um, that boy. He, dude, I think he should, I don't think he does the, uh, the, um, like the stand-in stuff on set. I no, think he was so, just a voiceover role. So on the, the physical actor was Steve Aggie, who yeah. also played uh, John Economos, who was... The guy in the uh, in Waller's office. Oh, okay. I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but um, but yeah, he he did the on set like mocap for it. Oh, okay. Um, we've got uh, Daniela. Oh no, I skipped someone. We have uh, David. Uh, da- I'm I'm not a bunch I think of it's, dudes. I think it's Das McLean. Mal das, Das David Das Malchian, the guy know. from from Dark Knight, where they pull him and he's wearing Harvey Dent's name tag, and it's he's, not. Harvey he's also Dent. Kurt in Ant Man. Uh, he's also in- weird, creepy guy in Denis Villeneuve movies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, that won't change with Dune. Yeah, um, I, was, I was gonna say he's had like a lot of like smaller roles in his career. But this is probably his biggest one to date, and I it's, it was just so fantastic. As Abner Krill, a.k.a. Polka Dot Man, um, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about him because he had some absolutely standout moments. Then we've got Daniela Melchior as Cleo Cazzo, a.k.a. Ratcatcher 2. Uh, cool last name. That's my mom's maiden name. Oh, there you go. Um, who else? Peter Capaldi from uh, Doctor Who fame as Doctor Gaius Greaves, aka the Finger. Oh, Michael Rooker as uh, Savant or Brian Derlin. One of uh, James Gunn's uh, oldest previous... collaborators. Yeah, oh, a frequent collaborator. Alice Braga as Alice Braga because she plays the same role in like every movie she's in. <laughs> as Soul Soraya. That's funny. Yeah, she was cool. I mean, I, I like Alice. The last uh, Marvel Braga. movie I saw her in, or I say Marvel superhero movie I saw her in was New Mutants. Exactly. Yeah, where she did not play her normal uh, type of role, um, but uh, she she's good. Yeah. Whenever you need someone who needs to play like a very like you know strong willed uh, person who's who's a like also kicking ass and stuff like yeah. Uh, 
And if, if you happen to need someone who's not white, like, perfect, perfect casting. There you go. Um, and then some of my favorite castings uh, are Pete Davidson as Dick Hertz or Blackguard. <laughs> um, Get it? Yeah. We have Nathan Fillion as TDK. Um, and then Sean Gunn as Weasel. Uh, uh, he I, has another role. I won't say we'll save that for spoiler talk, but um, another great role in the film. Yeah. Oh, we also and, have Flula Borg as Javelin. <laughs> and uh, and Mailing Ing as Mongal. Dude, all these are uh, all these are some really great great castings. I gotta say. So that was the big thing going into this film, and we'll you know I think. Uh, We'll, we'll talk, we'll give our non spoiler uh, opinions and we'll just jump in. But I remember leading up to this film when they were like releasing the, the posters for all the characters and you would see the cast list. And then when the trailer came out, you're like, there's so many people in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are they going to balance this? And while well, they figured it out, they figured out a way. I, I honestly, it was a pretty good way. And you could figure out how they did it as well. If you uh, pay attention to the marketing material, but yes. um, honestly, I gotta say, this movie came out. Zach, it reached uh, a level of success all in the last two days that it's been out like publicly. I don't know if you read, but it's the first R-rated movie in the pandemic to make over like ten million dollars, and like before the weekend's over. That um, is an absurdly specific uh uh lined across yeah i know it's i just saw everybody reporting that i said okay well that's interesting um but i'll tell you what it's like i go into this film and i almost forget the fact that it's rated r because they really just shove every single bit and piece of every body part in your face uh with a, oh, see that a, that was the constant reminder to me that it was a rated r film i just keep forgetting i just i you know what it, it's funny is that i only saw maybe one or two trailers for this and then you know, a lot of this, the promotional material would go by and be like, okay, great. You know, like, I'm, I don't think I intentionally skipped it. I think I was just busy the last couple months. Um, yeah. And so, you know, coming into the movie, it's, it's almost shocking. Uh, you know, as I, you could almost taste the, uh, the gore <laughs> in this film. There, there was a good bit of viscera going on there. Yeah. Um, and not but, to but, its detriment. It had a lot of fun with it. No, no, it, it's great. It, uh, it, it definitely, um, it served its purpose. Um, but Chris, let me ask you this one question. Uh, may I please have your just, just your no spoilers, just like it, love it, gotta have it opinion of the Suicide Squad? Oh, I loved it. It was, it was, a, uh, would the term a romp be uh, appropriate? Because it was just a lot of good fun. Um, it took everything that I think these characters needed um, in, in a way to make this just a really enjoyable, uh, you know, just film-going experience. I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, after the sour taste that the original uh, left in a lot of people's mouths, I feel like this is something sweet, savory, and downright disgusting, you know, appropriate for everybody. Not of all ages, I'd say. That's for sure. And I think parents will make the mistake of taking their children to this film. <laughs> um, oh, boy. And I don't think, you know, do that with caution because it's good fun, uh, but it's also good nightmare fuel as well, I think. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, um, I think James Gunn was the perfect mind to have behind this as well. 
because when you think about like the grand antagonist of the film, which I don't think it's any spoiler to anybody, but you have like this idea of they have it's the Suicide Squad against Starro the Conqueror, and it's like yeah, I mean how- that was in like the original trailer for it. They dropped it's- that exactly. Like how ridiculous of a concept is that? I mean, one, it's it's incredibly campy when you think about it, but they just make it work so well. Um, that I really can't complain because they they take it as seriously as they have to, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and they get to play a lot. Um, and even some of the character, like there is still a lot of character growth. You know, everybody gets to develop in some way, shape, or form, and it doesn't feel forced. Um, no, it doesn't it, feel inappropriate. There's enough time. I feel like that elapsed from certain events in the film because this. I'll tell you what. This film does a lot of like jumping between uh, like specific. Um, I don't want to say timelines. Uh, it's more like specific like events in these characters' lives. You know, there's a lot of ground right. to cover with all these different people. And I feel like we, the way it's navigated in the story, it's not jarring in any sense of the word. Um, but it, it just kind of flows really well. Um, you know, I think the, the, the unsung heroes of this film are specifically King Shark and Polka Dot Man. Uh, Polka Dot Man. That's it's not that's not it, is it? No, it yeah, is Pokemon man. man. I feel like they they should get all the credit in terms of like <laughs> characters you wouldn't think would just steal the screen. They do. Um and I I gotta hand it to to Idris Elba and and John Cena as well, the newcomers, I mean the you know, some of the big names um that came into this, they really embodied these characters. Um, you know, Peacemaker uh, more so in a way that it's just it's so incredibly enjoyable to watch these performances um you know yeah. i'm not talking like academy award winning level stuff you know like jared leto over there but <laughs> uh, but you know I, i'm really really uh glad that we got this film um and i just it was overall uh i would recommend it to anybody you can watch it now it's available on hbo yes, max at home I, it know. is available to stream i'm actually planning to watch it tomorrow again I mean, so, um, you you and I opted for the theater experience. We saw it in IMAX, and I gotta say, in IMAX it was pretty kick-ass. Like you know, that extra real yes. estate uh, real estate makes a difference. Um, yeah, everything you said, I could not agree more. It's a absolutely fantastic time. Um, humor that is at times so unbelievably funny. Uh, action that really kicks ass and. Um, surprising levels of heart uh, that you wouldn't expect from a movie with such a kind of like cynical pre- uh, premise. Yeah. Uh, a lot of moments where you're like, oh, that's that's kind of nice. I, I would also like to uh, definitely hype up uh, Daniela Melchior. This is her first, uh, I believe, first American film. And uh, she's from Portugal, and I think everything else she's done is is Portuguese cinema, which is not a lot. She's done like uh three movies before this and one of them was just the portuguese dub of uh into the spider-verse oh wow i didn't Uh, know that yeah so uh she was really good um uh you you know i don't want to diss though i uh, you know on her wikipedia she has done like you know almost if not almost a thousand episodes of, of portuguese television as well a thousand episodes. Yeah, if you look at the different series she's in, it's like three hundred and sixteen episodes, sixty-eight episodes, oh, wow. twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. So she's not necessarily new to the acting scene, but I mean, just getting on the map from twenty fourteen was her earliest 
role, at least reported here on, on like Wikipedia to now, uh, you know, her last three or f- four features were from 2018 to, you know, I mean, just now the Suicide Squad, um, you know, really, really great talent. Um, Got to hand it to the cast. Yeah, I, I'm Squad. sure we'll be, see- we'll be seeing her in more stuff going forward. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, give this one a, a solid uh, like... I don't. I don't know. I don't want to put a number on it. Uh, letter grade. It's an A. It's an A. Probably an A plus. If I really had to be pressed for it. A um, lot of fun stuff. A lot of good little like jokes uh, and references to things. Um, and with that, I think uh, that we're we're gonna we're gonna jump into spoilers. So here's your warning. Get the fuck out. I, I, I will say, you know, I was a, a super, super relieved that this film, when I guess the review embargo was lifted, uh, we saw it was like at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's with about 40-something reviews. Right now, it's it's currently sitting at uh, 92% with 237 uh, reviews from critics and uh, an 88% with audience scores. But I think there's been some audience, uh, you know... Um, there was some fuckery, um, because as toxic fans are wont to do, some people decided it was a good idea to review bomb this film. Now, obviously, there are people who were, like, championing after Zack Snyder got the, the Snyder cut. People wanted, oh, release the Ayer cut. And David Ayer didn't do the best job of not fanning those flames. Um... And I think that when this movie came out, there was a lot of people who wanted the air cut, um, who saw fit to to review bomb uh, uh, this film, to which I think James Gunn had like the best uh, response to it. He was just like, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Um, it do- I mean, you're not wrong. That, I think that it was... I honestly... It, it, that shouldn't stop anybody from going to watch this. I think it is probably one of the best films we've we've had this summer. Oh yeah, no oh, for sure. Um, so I guess with that being said, we are now officially in spoiler territory. Um, as mentioned before, go watch the Suicide Squad now in theaters if you can. Um, and for the more reclusive folk, please enjoy it on HBO Max. Uh, it is free with your subscription, so not so free at all. <laughs> uh, but, um, so, uh, now that we are fully in spoiler territory and, uh, I, we can, we can talk about things that happen. How about how, how this, uh, little film handled its massive cast? Dude. Well, I, I gotta say, I liked it's the introduction back at Bell Rev when we started with Michael Rooker. Um, yeah, as I, savant. I do like the, I mean, we just jumped straight into business. One, we got like another wonderful music opening, Johnny Cash this time around. Mm-hmm. I don't. I know you didn't like the uh, uh, House of the Rising Sun of the first film. I enjoyed it. I, um, I listen. The, the I don't have a problem with licensed music with the right, you know, with the right music and the right execution. It can work great, but like, it's just it's just that like the. Songs in the original Suicide Squad either are too on the nose mm-hmm. or don't make sense at all. Okay. Um, That's all. That's all. Okay, so with that being said, the, I loved how we this introduction outside of the uh, 
the wonderful di- not dialogue. What was it? The uh, the voiceover about mm-hmm. what the Suicide Squad is that we just focused solely on one of the characters. We didn't have to move into everybody's intro and backstory and why they're at Bell Rev all at the same time. You know, right? We went into it, and then the you know the the new squad met each other, and then their mission was a go. And honestly, at this point, I realized okay. You know, I told you kind of before we went and saw the movie, like I had a prediction because if you look at the marketing material between, you know, all the different like stills, you will see Mm -hmm. two different versions of the Suicide Squad. And I'm like, all right, I've seen more of one of these than the other. I think everybody in one of these is going to just be eviscerated by at some point. And there's no way they can live. So you mentioned this before, and that's that um, uh, Warner Brothers really stayed out of James Gunn's way with this movie. And they gave him... The freedom to, as James Gunn says, to kill anyone he wanted. He yeah. basically he had the go ahead to if he needed to kill somebody or wanted to. They did. There was there was no no one no one he couldn't kill. Um, and I, and knowing that going in, you say, okay, so I wonder who's gonna make it out of this one. Like how how soon are we gonna see someone get killed? Um, uh, it plays a little into like I feel like you know what people come to expect about films. You start a movie on a character like Savant Michael Rooker. You think, yeah. well, this guy we're starting with him, he must be important. Uh, turns out he's not. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, red herrings, right there. Yeah, and um, and I remember like thinking. Well, I wonder how long it's gonna be till we see one of the characters die and stuff, and who it's gonna be and stuff. And I didn't have to wait long because, as they are all com- commando diving out of the helicopter, uh, Weasel <laughs> immediately. We- I poor, poor Weasel. This, I gotta I, say, they, this, they had the funny, <laughs> and it's not that they had the funnier people, but like they had a lot of the ones that I, I kind of wanted to see a little more of. But I'm so happy with what we got because poor fucking weasel. When he... I don't know if you heard me because we we saw this movie together. You were sitting right next to me. I don't know if you heard me, but like as soon as he hit the water, I was like, oh no, he can't swim, <laughs> dude. And then that's like the realization everybody had, and it's like, oh my god, this is already hilarious and also incredibly sad at the same time. I'm like, dude, it was I was not expecting that. Um, and so, I gotta say, I, that's like that's how you subvert expectations and yes, also um, implement incredible comedy. And I do want to I do want to step aside real fast. So I had mentioned before that Sean Gunn um, plays another role. So he did the mocap for Weasel, but he also played a prisoner in Bell Reve who, uh, who let's see he shouts at Savant as he's being led to meet with the team. Was it or is does he show up later when everyone else is? getting rounded up in the flashback. Anyway, Sean Gunn plays also Calendar Man in in this movie, which I thought it was really great. He's just a dude with, like, all the months written on his forehead. I mean, what a clever character. <laughs> what else can we say about that one? He's, uh, I, it's, it's great. I, I do love seeing me as Sean Gunn whenever I can get him. Um, so thanks, James, for putting your brother in the film. Um, I, I will say, though, you know what was kind of hilarious... He, so I guess his first couple of minutes, we're just going to be talking about everybody dying. Because, you know, <laughs> Pete Davidson, you know, Blackguard, also hilarious. I had no idea what the hell he was doing. And then I guess, you know, what he like double crossed the team. 
and then immediately gets his head blown off. I think that that's the moment I knew this film was going to be disgusting. Um, yeah, yeah, he gets his entire face just like ruptured. Um, and it, so, if there's one thing that will always make me laugh in a movie, not even necessarily laugh, but something I found I enjoy a lot is when a movie is about a bunch of soulful idiots who, like, have to kind of, like, bullshit their way to to victory. Um, and that's kind of what this movie feels like a lot of the times, where it's like, everyone is to some degree very stupid. Yeah. And, and it's by, like, the grace of all of them just being able to collaborate that they're able to pull it off. But, like, in this opening scene, when you have, like, you know, uh, Harley just charges in and uh, Boomerang uh, is there fucking about. We have uh, uh, Nathan Fillion as the detachable kid who literally just pops his arms off and then uses his disembodied arms to, like, annoy people. Dude, when his arms were getting shot and he's like screaming on the floor, I I want I was dying. That was hilarious. It's just like one. How is that a superpower? What the hell? What toxic vet did he fall in to just make his arms come off like a GI Joe? You know <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Oh and, my god! Um, and uh, Mongal, she like leaps into action, grabs a helicopter, and just accidentally kills like a bunch of people there including captain boomerang and herself and herself uh, she sets herself ablaze <laughs> jesus um, and I, I thought it was very funny that like when captain boomerang died i was like oh my god like oh, we're we're wiping out the original suicide squad i love it yeah i mean honestly like i was a little sad that he went i was like oh but i wonder you know if as an actor if he's like oh well this is still a lot of fun um you know it looked like a lot of fun um, I, I gotta say, like, I, I did like how they kind of progressed though, because it's like, okay, well, where were the other guys? Apparently they were two different suicide squad teams, task force X and we'll call the other one task force S X Y or whatever the hell. Even that's not what they actually <laughs> refer to it as, but like, and th- they then come up and said, Oh, there's a distraction team going on the other end. And here's you guys. And it's peacemaker. It's, it's rat catcher, polka dot man. Um, and and Bloodsport, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. And I'm like, now I realize this is where my my theory came to play, and we we're gonna get some real stuff. At that moment, I was a little sad. I'm like, well, I don't think they're gonna, they're not gonna kill Margot Robbie because we've already seen that she's in the rest of the movie. And they're they, not gonna kill. And they enjoy making money, so yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, honestly, um, but those first five minutes, man, they were <laughs> a wild great. ride. If they were, you know, any. Any indication how the rest of the movie was going to go, like, or what to expect, I think that's just... Dude, I don't even know what else to say at that point. um, Well, I want to talk about a couple things. One is we we then flash back to see how this B-team got recruited, but um, I want to talk a minute about Amanda Waller and her team uh, behind the scenes, uh, like, back at the office, back at Belle Reve where they're taking bets on who's going to die. And I I love that. It, so in, in the original Suicide Squad film, they really made Amanda Waller this, like, practically omnip, omniscient, like, 
omnipotent, like, figure where she was intimidating and she was always in control and, and she, you know, was, it didn't matter what anyone else wanted. It's what she said went. And she was kind of this like emotionless, uninteresting, like villain who's supposed to be a good guy and stuff. In this, I felt she had so much more character, you know, she she ignores her her people um taking bets. We see her golfing and like talking about like how she's got a she's got a game with somebody um coming up and stuff. And uh I don't know, I felt like they gave her a bit more to do in this movie. Well, I I, I did like that they also didn't make her like this all uh incredible badass. You know, like she could also get her ass kicked uh and she didn't just go out and shoot all of her people because they didn't have the clearance. You know, yeah, like, that was that's still one of my like least favorite moments of the original Suicide Squad. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. It's like, um, I like that. You know, I mean, maybe those are con- actions to consequences that we'll see later in in the Peacemaker series or something like that. Maybe. But, I mean, at the same time, I just I really did enjoy where they went, um, with that setting this time around. Um. Just because, like, why wasn't that the original setting? You know, like that it was so perfect, um, that kind of situation. But uh, I'll I'll tell you what, um, I I don't I they didn't need to overplay her either. Like they they really just uh, she, Amanda Waller wasn't necessarily supposed to be the focus of the Suicide Squad in general. Yeah, she puts the team together, but that she's not the exciting part, and her blowing up right. people's heads is not. I mean, sure, like that's I mean important, but. I don't want to watch a film that has, you know, like her and, you know, more than five minutes of, of scenes. Yeah. But yeah, no offense to Viola Davis or, or anybody just like her characters is great for exposition, but that's, that's it. So, um, yeah, when, when we go back to to watch how the team is formed, how she puts them together, it's interesting, you know, with with you know how they how they characterize a lot of these people. Because at first you get um, Bloodsport's backstory, you find out he was uh, raised since birth to be a killer, and any weapon you put in his hand is a dangerous weapon, and uh he's a he's a good shooting man and then the introduction of john cena and it, she i think it's almost like word for word the same backstory he's like, are you a, having to laugh <laughs> yeah yeah and you're just like wow that's that's fantastic like i like that they and at first you know you go like oh that's just a funny one-off joke but i like that there is a reason he's there uh beyond just being in the suicide squad uh, like, like he, he has a greater purpose. Yeah. Um, and then we've get, we get, uh, Ratcatcher 2, who is, uh, you know, she can, obviously she can control rats. She's got the one rat named Sebastian who just chills with her all the time. And, um. Did you we, see that Sebastian is like partially voiced by D. Bradley Baker? I did uh, see of that. Star Wars and cartoon fames uh, all over the world. Of um, general animal noises fame. Exactly. Um, um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, we get we get uh, uh, Nana uh, Nanawe uh, King Shark. Uh, his introduction uh, again. He is maybe the best part of this film. 
Uh, just hearing, it goes, oh, me so smart, me read book. Uh, I, I'll get into him. I, I do want to add a bit about Bloodsport and Idris Elba's character. I felt like, you know, one of the things I would nitpick about this film, um, that it doesn't really take away my enjoyment of it at all, at all, but, like, I mean, Bloodsport as a character, or at least how they, they played him, is almost in too similar to Deadshot uh, in the yeah. first film. And, you know, like, I guess that's fine. I mean, honestly, in the, by the, the end of it, I realize that they're two different people. They just have very similar kind of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. But, you know, like, that, maybe that, that could have been improved upon. Um, but, like I said, it didn't take away from any of the other enjoyments. And I also, I did like that Idris Elba got to use his regular accent uh, and not right. on, like, a, an American accent or anything like that. Yeah. That was, uh, that was good. But, um... We get um, uh, Polka Dot Man. He's, like, let out of his cell. And he's everyone just kind of, like, talks about him like he's some, like, weirdo. And no one really knows what his deal is. He's a bit of a weirdo. But he's probably the greatest weirdo that ever lived. Um, he's up there. I, uh, and Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I just saying, like, I just love the his his entire arc was just so perfect. And what he had to offer in terms of both, like, it's the com- the jokes that were accompanied with his character, as well as just, you know, his characterization. Um, dude, like, all the bits with his mom, that, like, he just sees his mom <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, dude, yeah. That's probably one of the Any- highlights of the film. Anytime that joke came up, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah. I would say the standout is in... Uh, the in the bar in the when he's club. dancing yeah. and all the women <laughs> as it spins around all the women become his mother That's and hilarious. it's so wrong it's yeah. so wrong who's the actress but, that played his mom I feel like I've seen her oh, somewhere I'm uh, sure it's... you you can go on I'll find it and I'll let you know but um, <laughs> um we so the first like major like I feel like introduction of everyone and their skills and stuff is we get uh this great uh, long section of them going through this uh, camp and just wiping everyone out and and you know uh, uh, what uh, King Shark I'm not gonna try and remember his name King Shark eats a dude Nanawe um, Nanawe Bloodsport and Peacemaker have like a pissing contest about who can kill the most. Uh, a dude with just who's just like chilling, like hot dog in it, <laughs> with with no pants on, gets killed. Or, and, but then they were talking about like style points as well. Like there was a whole system, <laughs> dude. Like yeah. that was hilarious. And what I love again, because they're all like varying degrees of stupid. Like the part where I think Peacemaker's like, no, you know, I killed him in a flashier way, so that gets me more points. And when Bloodsport turns around, he's like, he's like. He's like, whatever. And he turns around. He's like, damn it. He's right. <laughs> Dude, they, they just had such a good rapport. Like, honest. I mean, this is like the one of the highlights because it that was missing in in the first film. You know, yes. like we that these are just some of the the, the few examples that you get. Um, but it's also like they do form like this this I, I would say this true like kind of deep bond and understanding for each other. Like, well, I, what I, I think. think go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you you first, please. I was gonna say, I think the thing that really worked for this movie, as opposed in, in comparison to the original, is that 
with this one, with the with the original, they are there they're together for like less than like twelve hours. So by the time they and they have one scene when they kind of all bond in the bar, mm-hmm. and so by the end of the movie, when when Diablo's like I I lost one family, I'm not losing another. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You've known these people for less than a day. And you've all like actively like worked against each other except for one scene. And um, these people got two days. Well, they got two days, but it's like almost every step of the way is them bonding somehow. They they camp out in the woods, and then like they have a whole thing about King Shark trying to eat Rat Catcher, and that leads to Rat Catcher, who's kind of just like this. She's not even like a villain. She's just a a, a nice girl. She befriends King Shark, and then they all party together. But she also teaches Nanawe, King Shark, what it is to be a friend. And that's yes. really nice. I'm telling you, that, that's the heart. She is the heart of this film. Yes, and I mean, like, they all they all show each other, like, a lot of warmth. So by the time that, like, you get to, like, the end and people start dying, you kind of start to feel for it, because you're like, yeah, I the, the sh- movie has done the work to show me that these people care about each other and that they aren't just, you know, cardboard cut out two dimensional, you know, caricatures and it works. Like the fact that like, you know, Harley Quinn has this fantastic thing where she's swept away by the presidente of, uh, what's the, what's the Island called? Car, uh, Car- Carta, Corto Maltese. It, it was and, in film Cuba, uh, pretty yeah. much. Okay, so, but she's swept away by the president, and he woos her, and she goes psycho and murders him. But she and, does it because she's done with crazy men. Yes, yeah, I'm still waiting for her to get a Poison Ivy love interest brought into live action, because that's, that's kind of like a staple of her character. We'll see. Maybe Birds of Prey too, but um, Electric but you know, <laughs> getting her whole like fantastic breakout scene, where where she's just just wreaking havoc through the compound, and um, you get all that crazy shit, and then like by the time she like the Suicide Squad has like done a bunch of their shit and come to get her, like. She's just so moved by it, you know, and like when like Rick Flag and her like kind of share a hug and you're like, you know, that's nice. Like they they're they're doing a lot of the work that the first movie just did not seem interested in doing. Well, I, I, I will say, you know, out of all the characters that we've seen, you know, her characters had the most progression across what three films now. Um, right. And so, I'll, you know, we'll give I'll give a little bit of credit to Birds of Prey as well for, you know, not making her a, a one-trick pony. Um, and, uh, additionally, I just like, you know, all the other character interactions that we got as well. Like, I know we got, you know, Deadshot, just all the stuff with, like, his daughter, but, like, I think on top of that, like, Idris Elba's blood sport, on top of the fact that he has father-daughter issues, he also mm-hmm. has the opportunity to, like, talk about his growing of, like, you know, he was this relationship that he had with his father while his father was trying to make the perfect and ultimate weapon. You know, he has this fear with like the rats and that's like an ongoing joke. And then him and Sebastian share 
mm-hmm. <laughs> he shares the seat on his lap and he's like trying to like pet him and overcome that fear by the end of the movie and he has to listen to to Ratcatcher the entire time talking. That's just like little bits that I mean these are just great comedic moments, but they're also like really humbling character moments that they share that turn even the deadliest of killers into <laughs> just perfect human beings. I and I'll you know I think that's one thing they're gonna explore more with uh Peacemaker in his, in the show. Um, you know, because he I think he was just true and true him I don't know if he had so much growth himself by the end of the film. He um, didn't. I, I thought they were setting up for a moment where he was going to have growth, but then they kind of doubled down and made him like a uh, like secondary antagonist. Because there's the part where, again, we're in spoilers, I, I think we're, it's it's fair to say, he yeah, yeah. and Rick Flagg get... So his whole... Peacemaker's whole... The reveal is that he was sent, along with the Suicide Squad, to recover data about the U.S.'s involvement with Project Starfish, which was Starro, and um, and to wipe all of that to remove any uh, any information that linked America to the project uh, in order to to make sure that America stayed stayed the best, um, and everyone else is hell bent and determined to to make sure the truth is put out there. Yeah. So. Uh, he and Rick Flag get into a fight, and he he stabs Rick Flag in the heart, uh, which was, you know, kind of a bummer to see. I was like, oh man, I was actually really liking Joel Kinnaman in this. Um, he, he I thought he he had finally kind of like nailed that like leading man thing, but also Idris Elba was coming up as a leading man, so I get it. You know, that's that is fine. But when Joel Kinnaman says peacemaker, you know, what he say, you know, is that's some kind of a joke. And then he dies. And I thought that was going to be peacemaker's moment of like, oh, my God, I, I am a joke. Like, I, I'm not a real peacemaker. And then he was going to own up to being a good guy or, or at least being less of a shitty guy. <laughs> um, I Well, I mean, now that you're on that scene, uh that was an interesting way for them to let Rick Flag go. Um, I think it was probably needed for the growth of the Suicide Squad. Um, but at the same time, like, oh, man, he was supposed to be the connective tissue uh, of the, the team, I think. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, I'll tell you it what. It is I, what it is. Did you notice... Uh, Joel Kinnaman looked like he got a little more, you know, beefed up for this role than he was in the, the original. Yeah, they definitely made him more comics accurate in uh, in this because he had his yellow shirt. He definitely got more jacked because um, in the original, I think they had him like in like some like goatee like and stuff. Armor. I think that m- movies need to stop uh, if you're gonna make a movie about a comic book character. You don't be ashamed of what they look like, because why else are you making that character, the, a movie about that character to begin with? Mm. That, I mean, you know, that is uh, adaptation, the, Zach. The, adaptation liberties. The yellow shirt is such a good look, and he owned it. So, I want to move on to the next member of the team that, I, I mean, I've been hyping up, you've been hyping up, we got to talk about him. Um, and that is Polka Dot Man. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Uh, you know, outside of the whole mom joke and 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 all that business, like when we discover like his his backstory, right? His um, 
this disease that his mom gave to him and his brothers and sisters in order to make them superheroes is like an interdimensional thing that it could kill him, right? It's, it's the polka dots or whatever he the hell they are. He has to purge the polka dots a few times a day. Twice a day, in fact. Yeah. Um, and to the, I mean, to the point of like, he's like literally suffering uh, having this ability or else he'll die. And the whole point was to make him a superhero which he never ended up really becoming until his time to shine. But he, it's just like, you know, they got the perfect performer to play this like weird guy. Right? Absolutely. And uh, David Desmalchian uh, does such a good job. Like he, he has so many lines where it's like they need to be delivered in just the right way. Um, and I think he, he just, he absolutely just knocks it out of the park. There's a few, like, what is it? The, when they're in the meeting room, just going over the mission and, uh, blood sports, like, Oh, we're all going to die. And he says, I, I hope so. Like, <laughs> I, I just like how he has this notepad taking notes. Oh no, no, no that's yeah. peacemaker. Um, but they're For all, when, Sorry. when, when they're, when they wipe out the, the camp full of, uh, soldiers, only to find out that those were the freedom fighters and they've actually, like, killed good guys. And when Alice Bright is like, what happened? And he's like, I imagine they were all my mom and I killed them. <laughs> Dude, his realizations are the best. Oh, my God. But he's honestly, like, one of the sweetest members of the team, right? Like, yeah. he, was, he was so down to earth about everything, outside of the fact that he's just nuts. He's insane. Um, he was the only one who cared about Milton. Yeah. Mil- oh, my God. Can we talk about the unsung hero, Milton? <laughs> Yeah, so Milton was absolutely great. Um, I I love Dude, that. Like at one point, you're like, "Wait, this guy's following them!" In like, I thought he was just a ride, and I saw him go into the building. It's like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's like the the one member from um, what do they call him in in Deadpool? Deadpool yeah, 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 yeah. In uh, the X Force. X Force. Yeah, he's like the opposite <laughs> member. Of that that one guy who didn't die or nothing bad happened to him, I don't think. Right, yeah, and he's um, just like he's just the regular dude who goes with them. Yeah, and then Milton comes in and like, unfortunately for him, he gets like shot to death, uh, <laughs> really terribly too. I'm like, I feel and, so bad. And Harley's just like, Milton, like who? <laughs> I remember a guy named Milton. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just and absolutely, God. So funny, yeah. And Polka Dot Man, of course, is like the only person who who knew him and recognized him. And um, and of course, we get the the his his he goes out in a blaze of glory because there's a great moment where as Starro is tearing apart the streets, um, and and uh, Bloodsport's finally coming into his own as a as a leader and he's shouting out commands to everybody to you do this you do that and he turns to to uh krill and he's like he's like you know who that is that's your mother <laughs> dude and oh. he said i'm a superhero he got it's like i'm a motherfucking superhero oh man i i felt so so sad uh when end. he yeah, he got flattened, and uh, that was that was pretty rough. But I mean, dude I'm so, got, he, I'm so, he got the best arc. He really did. He he went out on top. So I mean, what more could you want? 
Uh, I want to talk about King Shark because he is a little soft boy, and every time he was on screen and every line he said made me so fucking happy because he is just... I I like that he's a gentle giant. He's, well, mm, he's a kind of gentle giant. He makes me think about my dog. And you know what? (laughs) When a movie makes me think about my dog, um, that's a good movie. And I don't have a giant dog, but he's like a little boy. And you know what? There's lots of reasons why Nanawe, King Shark, makes me think of my little boy at home. You know what? And uh, honestly, I'm going to buy Iggy a pair of shorts just so I can, you know. be pretty great. (laughs) Um, honestly, but honestly I like, he was super enjoyable. Just yeah, I, his, his discoveries and things like it, his own adventure going to the Jotunheim uh, structure, finding like the uh, the aquarium filled with all the little little yeah. I, mean, I don't know what I'm, alien. Fish I'm sure I'm sure that's like a deep DC cut or something. But um, yeah, to for him to think they're his friends and get all excited, but then whenever he's like in the water with them, they all start to him yeah i that was, was i'll tell you what love, sorry oh i was gonna say what what i what i like about him so much is that like a lot of other uh depictions of king shark will have him he's very intelligent and he's very uh eloquent with his speech and i love that we got the complete opposite here he's big he is dumb uh i think um uh James Gunn was the uh, had was the one who made the call where he's like, we're gonna give him a dad bod, we're gonna make him a little like you know, we're not gonna make him like scary. He's just gonna be like a big oaf. Yeah, I'll, you know what I like about that though, it's like he kind of plays as like the, you know, the foil to kind of like Killer Croc from the first one. You know, I I always th- I thought Killer Croc in the first one should have been a CGI character. Um, you know, I think they they would have done a better job with that and then so i'm glad they did that with him because they could take more liberties kind of with the design and everything um you know i will maybe if they would have done that they wouldn't have won that academy award for uh that's true costume design and all that stuff you know to the point i don't think this film will win an academy award in that category <laughs> uh fortunately for them um so but, i know. guess it depends on how how much uh how much value you put in academy awards which yeah. one's better but um, I love there's so many good scenes of him where they where he couldn't go with them because he's a big hulking shark man, and so he's just alone and you feel that he's just he's lonely, and it it clearly upsets him, um and so it feels so bad for him like when he's trying really hard to go with everybody he's like I'll I wear disguise fake mustache dude can we talk and, about Sly Stallone's uh, you know, just wonderful voice. <laughs> he's just perfect. And he, uh, and, and I love that, like, even though he's, like, a giant baby, like, he can still rip a man in half with Dude. his bare hands, with his can shark I, hands. Can I tell you, I was so worried that he would die in several different moments of the film to the point where I'm like, oh, he's pretty much kind of invincible. Like, nothing has killed him. Yeah, he's bulletproof, and the piranhas couldn't kill him, and I think a building almost squashed him at one point. Um, so I was super happy to just to see that he, he, you know, he was spared at every single moment where death knocked at his door. Um, and just the the way he would eviscerate people when he would eat them and just tear them completely in half um, was like the shit of my nightmares. Uh, I, I, I swear to you, 
But you know when, what? There's the scene when they're all regrouping after the the after Starro's already busted out, and they're all regrouping uh, in the ruins of uh, the Jotunheim, and he just walks in like chewing on a dude's skull. Oh my god! It's just perfect timing. I gotta tell you, like, yeah, ah, dude, one of the best. I mean, everybody had like a highlight. That's the thing. It's like I can't, I want to say like him and Pokedami were like some of the best parts about this movie, but it's like. Everybody had a, a really great part in this movie. Like, yeah, you, I everyone, can say I can say that for every character in this film, they all had a fantastic role. Um, everyone I had a big standout. No, yeah. definitely not. Definitely not. Um, um, even st- well, uh, like the thinker, like, in a way, like his. Um, <laughs> though I, I mean, he didn't get all the attention in the world, but like I just loved his uh, his role in like crafting Starro as the villain, and like you know, I, I just. That was an interesting. Um, I'm not. I wasn't too. I'm not familiar with Starro at all, or the Thinker really. He's all I know comic. about Starro is he was the first Justice League villain. Oh God! So that's like, awesome. you know, I like that. I, that's I thought, the first one, right? You know, well, it's like, um, what, what, were the, what was the Avengers' first uh, villain? Uh, like a toaster or something? I don't know. But um, not Shmanos. Yeah, no, Thanos' yeah. younger brother. Oh, Shmanos. <laughs> um, but our, uh, yeah, Capaldi was good. He had, he brought a little kind of like operaticness to his, uh, to his, uh, lines, especially when he's like, Starro the Conqueror. Yeah. But, um. Great. Great performances all around. Um, and then he got, he got turned to red paste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that was not that fun. That was, uh, and I'll tell you what was also just, you know, we want to talk, go back to the disgusting shit in this film. Um, it's just that these little stars flying around, you know, and, and then they oh find hosts God. and like rip through their faces and then just, you know, decide yeah. to take consciousness. Oh God. This- and, and the, the scene, speaking of thinker, when he's showing them his like lab in Jotunheim and he's got like the, the bodies that are like cut in half and they're still yeah. alive because of Starro. Yeah. Uh, and there's scary. the like hive the, mind kind of things. There's some, you know, listen, like I don't, Starro was not freaky, but like there was a couple things like when like people would be screaming with a star on their faces, a, a little unnerving. Yeah, I was, uh, I was very, not just unnerved, but like, you know, there was a bowel movement that was going to erupt from <laughs> me if, you know, they didn't push past the screen right uh, soon enough. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. Listen, they were not joking. I'm glad this movie got the rating it did because you know I would. I don't know what it would be without um, all the nasty shit that we saw. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, can we talk about how um, uh, Ratcatcher Two is the daughter of Ratcatcher One, played by fucking Taika Waititi? I was. I, I saw his name in the opening credits. I was like, oh, Taika Waititi's in this. Uh, was his name on the poster or anything like that? I didn't see, I don't I didn't th- see that. You know what? I think, yes, yes. He had been um, uh, advertised. He was he was in the movie, and no one ever said what he who he was. And I think that was one of the big things of like, oh, he who is it going to be? I'm looking at one of the posters right now, and that doesn't have his name. And um, this other one, I'll tell maybe you, it does. But I, I'll tell you what, I was super happy to see him... And his, I mean, we saw him in like a flashback or two, one of which he had speaking, you know, he had a couple lines, but I like him everywhere I see him, you know, 
mm. as Korg. Uh, I mean, what's the his all the films that he's done with Jermaine Clement and um, and Flight of the Concords and stuff. Yeah, well, that's the show. Um, actually, I don't know if he was involved in that one. Was he? He uh, maybe. Mm. I'm not. I won't. I won't. I don't know that much, but he did like a couple of films that came to uh, Sundance that um, he was great in as well. But regardless, um, I I mean, Ratcatcher, I, I don't know how nefarious he was in the uh, in the DC world. They really went through the just extended villains yeah, and like they very... scraped the bottom of the barrel on this one. Um, but I I loved uh, his relationship with his daughter. Like it was, mm. it was really nice, and it was sweet, dude. They they, they were sweet on each other, um, and so, you know, that was a nice little tidbit. Didn't take me out of a movie or anything. I felt I felt really nice, um, just watching that. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's that's pretty much it. Like I, and by yeah. the end of it, I like how the the Amanda Waller's people like kind of turn on her and knock her in the head before oh, she goes up the face. Oh, yeah. Dude, like that was a great moment. Um like I said, I, I hope that comes to play in, in Peacemaker, that relationship. I don't know if she's actually if if Viola Davis is confirmed for the Peacemaker show, but um if in the event that she is, that would be something interesting to explore there if uh, the ramifications of that incident. Um but Dude, like, I can't believe we got this film. This was so, this was so good. I'm so glad yeah. it was so good too. Imagine if it was bad. I, I don't think, I don't, I never had a doubt that it would be bad, because I feel like James Gunn hasn't made a bad movie in the last, you know, in his Marvel career at least. So he knows what he's doing in terms of superheroes. Um, so I, and I'm glad he got free reign to do what he wanted because it shows that you know. He he has earned it. Like and and now I feel like we'll see that going forward. That like, you know, he not only can he do what he wants, but he can do what he wants effectively, um, and in a way that I'm sure he'll benefit from. I mean, this yeah. film only just came out, so we, it's only made around ten million dollars, as we said earlier. So hopefully, you know, the fruits of his labors come into fruition. Um, you know, I know uh, I don't know if he mentioned this on the show um, last week or two weeks ago. There's like been a lot of lawsuits lately uh, regarding uh, these filmmakers and actors, um, and like their, yeah. their films going on streaming like same Scarlett day. Scarlett Johansson, uh, Emily. Wait, did, were Disney Cruise was that one of them that they got a? Um, it, like Emily Blunt. Um, Emily Blunt. I, that's who yeah, it was, yeah. I think. And uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Emma Stone is like thinking about like suing Disney as well for like Cruella. Um, but I know, I mean, we talked about it as in our first episode of this year that, like, Warner Brothers um, has, like, since made a deal with their filmmakers that, um, you know, though their movies will be streaming the same day, I think, like, they're they're being paid out um, for a certain number of, you know, like, as if their films have already grossed a certain amount of mo- uh, uh, they have already grossed a certain amount of money, and, you know... Uh, everything will happen accordingly. I think they're, they're, they pretty much set the precedent on this one, so the fact that Disney didn't necessarily follow suit or isn't, um, it's a telltale sign. And so we will see the ramifications of all that. But yeah, um, this just also gets me super excited for the next things on James Gunn's plate, which I know is the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and then uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, final finale in the trilogy. <laughs> Right, the volume, volume three. three or whatever they're going to call it. Now, apparently, according to Wikipedia, and I can't find a source to back this up, um, 
Uh, James Gunn is directing and writing the first, the pilot of uh, Peacemaker. Yeah. Oh, it says he'll direct the first three episodes. I think he wrote um, the whole series, though, right? Or am I wrong? He might have. Oh, yes, he wrote all eight episodes. So, okay, you know, I think it's in good hands. Um, I'm excited to see because that's going to have some good uh, people in it. Uh, I think he's also acting as um, a producer as well just because I, I know from at least his social media that I've been following, like, he's been on set. It looks like every single day that they've been filming, like, Vancouver and stuff like that. Like, he, nice. he, he's been reporting from there. So, um, honestly, super excited and, and can't wait. Uh, yeah, I will be watching it day one. As as will we. Um, uh, and like I said, I'm going to be watching this movie again tomorrow on streaming because uh, I liked it that much. And when I like a movie, I watch it more than one time. What's the movie you feel like you've watched the most in your, your lifetime? I want to say it's probably Lord of the Rings, but um, I mean... Could be like I anytime like Jurassic Park or Saving Private Ryan is on TV, I'll watch that. Uh, Godfather, like those are on like you're, you've seen them the most. Yeah, I, I've seen them several times. I feel like if I were to say I've seen a single movie the most, it would probably be some Star Wars related film. Which one I can't exactly tell you, but that's probably one of them. It's probably what I've seen the most. Nice. Anyways, well, before we sign off though, let's talk very briefly, very briefly about. Uh, just the two quick uh, mid and post credit scenes we got. Um, so mid credit scene, we return to where we all started, the beach, uh, to watch Weasel hack himself up to life. Dude, he pulled a possum. He pulled a possum party trick out of his yeah, hat, and now he of. waddled away to go and murder commit, some children. Murder children. On this poor, poor island that has already suffered so much. Recently kai- kaiju-ravaged nation. Oh my god. Um, that, then, honestly, he, what a funny character. Just yeah. He's just a weird, uncomfortable creature. Um, and then we got um, uh, a scene where... A few of the people from uh, Waller's office are in a hospital where they're like, "Oh, they found him, and uh, they got he—he's alive, and they're gonna bring him back." And wouldn't you know it? Because I think when we were sitting there as the credits were rolling, we're like, "Well, I was like, I get, I what's gonna happen with the Peacemaker show?" And you were like, "Oh, it's probably a, a prequel." Maybe. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, Peacemaker is alive and well. I guess I don't know. Well, he's uh, he's definitely alive. He's in a hospital. Oh yeah, I guess the, the gun, the bullet didn't kill him. You know, the bullet like to the throat him. didn't kill him. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm reading this bit um, as described by James Gunn. The character of Peacemaker is a superhero, supervillain, the world's biggest douchebag. So we will get to see <laughs> that further explored in his own series. Um, I suppose we should also give a shout out to Jennifer Holland, uh, James Gunn's now longtime girlfriend, um, for her role in the film as well as the uh, Amelia Harcourt, the NSA agent uh, who is an aide uh, to Amanda Waller. She will also be joining John Cena in the series, um, and alongside with, as well, and Robert Patrick as Augie yeah. Smith. That's his Robert. dad. He's going to play his dad. Ooh. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that, and, uh, just, uh, it was a cool way to end this, you know, 
Um, I'm glad that we're finally getting to the point that Warner Brothers is taking a hint. They are moving away from, you know, putting all of their eggs in one basket. I like that they are willing to let their movies be created by people who don't have a very horrible vision of what superheroes should be. Um, and are willing to do things with a slightly lighter tone and a bit of humor. Uh, and DC movies are becoming fun. What was the last DC films come out before this one? I don't even remember. Uh, right before this one, was it Birds of Prey? Oh, uh, well, that was a little over a year ago. It's not like Shazam or something. I don't even remember. I, I You know, it's funny. I still have yet to watch Shazam. Um, You've never seen Shazam? I Yeah, I've... I, Wanted to Ooh. when it came out, but I I was not ready for this, ladies and gentlemen. Add it to the list. <laughs> well, I I got a little leeway with that one. Shazam came out recently, not like you know before I was alive or you know uh, so let's as I was see. growing up. Oh, of course we're we're we're, we're dumb. We did a, an episode on Wonder Woman oh, Wonder 1984. Woman. <laughs> yeah, but Wonder Woman 1984 wasn't even that good. No, it wasn't. Uh, and then I guess technically you could count Zack Snyder's Justice League, but apparently Warner Brothers doesn't even count Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, so dude, let me tell you what I've only watched maybe the first twenty minutes of the. I Zack sat Justice through League. four miserable hours of mm. that film, and just just that way, if I'm going to critique something, I I commit and I watch the whole thing just so I can know what I'm talking about, and man. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I don't know if, if I saw this in theaters, but it says here that uh, um, Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder served as executive producers of this film. Yeah, I'm sure they produce a lot of films. Yeah. It's easy to pay for things. Maybe. Um, we'll but that's all I got. That's all I got for, for the DCEU right now. Thanks, James Gunn, for giving us hope. Yes. Honestly. Honestly, um, it's it's a good time to be a movie fan right now. Uh, there's just nothing but new releases almost like every other week at this point. Um, so if you have the opportunity, please go watch The Suicide Squad, as we've mentioned a few other times in the show. It is available right now to watch in theaters, which I would suggest, um, you know, go to theaters, be safe, wear a mask. Wear your masks. Or get vaccinated um, and enjoy the experience. We saw it in IMAX and it was awesome. Um, or yes. if you want to be at home and you have like awesome surround sound and like cool TV, dude, it's available on HBO Max right now. Get a subscription. Uh, you may already have one and just watch the film. It's available right now till September 5th um, for f- just there. Do it. You have no excuse and I will expect a report on my desk Monday morning. And photos of Spider-Man as well. I mean, come on, people. This is Script or Screen we're talking about. As always, be sure to listen to the show on all your favorite platforms at Script or Screen. Visit our website, www.scriptorscreen.com. There you will find us. You can message us. You can let us know how you feel. You can also do the same thing on our social media pages. That's at Script or Screen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we also upload to YouTube. Please share us with your friends. Like, favorite, subscribe all those wonderful things. I am Christopher Kitchen. And I am Zach Strachman. You have yourselves a wonderful rest of your day. Bye.